Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show, and today my guest is Gloria May. Gloria has been a hypnotherapist since 1980. In 2001, she trained with the Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Association, EMDR, of Great Britain and Ireland, and is on their list of accredited practitioners qualified to use this technique with victims of trauma, abuse, and shock. So I am super excited to welcome Gloria May to the show. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you so much. It's nice to be invited. I'm so excited to have you, Gloria, because obviously I've known you for a little while and I have been a client of yours and I know what you do is so, so powerful. So I really wanted to share this with my audience and and the listeners today. So please tell us a little bit about you and what you do. I'm, first of all, I'm a hypnotherapist. I've been doing that since 1980, which makes it quite a long time. In the year 2000, I trained in EMDR therapy because I realized that hypnotherapy wasn't getting at certain things my clients brought to me, like PTSD, certain incidents that were triggering flashbacks and nightmares and things like that. So EMDR, I see as something that deals with specific incidents that the person can't get rid of for some reason. They pop up unexpectedly and unwelcome as well. Yeah, because I mean, divorce is known as the second most traumatic life experience we go through after the death of a loved one, isn't it? So there is quite often a lot of trauma associated. And I know that that can be anxiety. It can be sleepless nights. That's something I hear a lot in my clinic. Um, obviously depression and that heartbreak as well. So explain to us a little bit about how hypnotherapy works and then we'll move on to EMDR afterwards. Right, well, I use hypnotherapy really for things that are more general, how people feel generally. The ideas they have about themselves, often it brings up feelings of guilt and I should have done better and all those self-defeating thoughts we have about ourselves. Because I think very often with breakups, I think it's a divorce friend of mine once said, you keep doing better. You keep thinking, if I only did better, it would all be all right. So you're never focusing on what horrible things are being done to you. You focus on how can I change myself? How can I improve myself? And it's really, I think it's self-acceptance that's the main thing about hypnotherapy. And here I am, this is who I am, and I'm fine. So how does it work then? Because I know that some people would maybe have seen some of the stage shows, hypnotherapy, you know, back in the day when Paul McKenna used to, you know, <laughs> get people to, to do all sorts of things with brooms and... <laughs> And act things out that they had no memory of afterwards. So I know that there is that perception out there. Explain to us a little bit about the kind of hypnotherapy you do and how it would work coming to a session. 
the opposite to stage hypnosis. In stage hypnosis, the, the performer takes the person unaware and they kind of bewilder them into a state of dizziness almost. So they don't know where they are, what they're doing. The difference with hypnotherapy is that the person knows what they're doing. If you think of the stage hypnotist talking to the person's unconscious and the conscious mind is left there, a hypnotherapist is talking to the person's conscious mind and that is transmitting to the unconscious. So you're actually building a connection within them rather than destroying it, which is what they do in stage hypnosis. Okay, so that's stage hypnotherapy. So when people come to you, are they lying down on a couch? How does a session work? No, they're just sitting up. They're leaning back in a recliner if they want to, or sometimes they don't. They're putting their feet up if they want to, as long as they're comfortable and they can forget about their body, that's all. And I usually start by doing a relaxation process just to help the person turn inwards to themselves rather than outwards towards me. And from what they talk about and tell me, I construct a, a kind of metaphorical representation of it so that they can, it, it's, it's really creating a structure which they can then move around to make the changes they want to make. So it's, it's really quite simple. So they are obviously fully conscious throughout the process, just deeply relaxed yeah. and answering questions that you're giving them, which is leading them maybe to question situations. How, how would it work, for example, if someone was really suffering from low self-esteem or, or low self-confidence? Well, I, first of all, I say, is it catching? <laughs> is it catching? <laughs> <laughs> it used to be called modesty and was thought to be a quality to be cultivated. <laughs> it's not really low self-esteem, it's usually self-hatred. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I won't have that phrase <laughs> because it's too, it's a blanket phrase and it means nothing. Of course you're suffering from low self-esteem if you've been kicked around for years. Of course you are. Um, it's a question of building yourself up again so you can feel not exactly um, arrogant and proud of yourself, but feel you're okay. And you, whatever happens, you can deal with it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting distinction there because I think people think that rebuilding their confidence means being arrogant, and it doesn't, does it? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Um, and they think they've got to be noisy and bossy and, uh, and it's, it's an awful pressure. You can be very quiet and be very self-assured and self-contained. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you get to the root of the issue then during those hypnotherapy sessions? Well, sometimes you can do a, a hypno-regression and take them back to it, which is a bit dodgy. That's why I prefer to use EMDR, because you can re-traumatize someone by taking them back to an incident and they can be so overwhelmed with emotion that you're actually not, you're doing more harm than good. Um, and that sometimes happens when people get debriefed when it's done at the wrong time and in the wrong way. It's, it's not good at all. And I think EMDR count is a, a better way of doing, dealing with specific nasty things. I know that EMDR is something that's what well, was new to me until about a year or so ago. But it stands for eye movement. Desensitization and reprocessing. <laughs> yes, it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It's a, it's a horrible title. <laughs> for those people listening, you go, what on earth is that? Can you just <laughs> demystify what, what well, is it? 
what you do is you get the person to move their eyes back and forth, either by watching a light or if they've got something wrong with their, their eyes, you can do it with um, um, buzzers in their hands or there's one you can do in the ears or there's one you can do like that by butterfly flaps. And that is quite a, a comforting thing to do. And they do it in war-torn places with children in classrooms. They all go like this together. So, so explain to the listeners who can't see you what, what you're doing there. Yeah. Oh, well, you're, you're patting each shoulder with the opposite hand. So you've got your hands crossed again, your arms crossed over your chest and tapping alternate shoulders with the other yeah. hand. Yes, that's it. Um, although the, the best way to do it is with the eyes, really, because the eyes are, are very important in terms of the mechanics of how the brain works. And what it seems to do is to pull the event out of the amygdala where it's stuck, because if traumatic events go straight into the emotional brain, they don't get processed properly. When there's an element of shock, or horror or something like that. They're just stuck there. And that's why they jump out as undigested, raw bits of information. And you're reliving the event all the time. But if you kind of pull it out and go to and fro, conscious mind, unconscious mind, you break it up. So it doesn't exist as this stuck bit of psychic, emotional rubbish in your brain. You remember it, but when you remember it, you don't feel the emotions and I know that sounds for many listeners and think does it really work and and I can tell you it really does um mm. and I was skeptical when I came along because obviously it's new and I thought well give it a go I'm open-minded to all these things because I do believe that all these different types of therapies have a place and a holistic approach to healing from trauma maybe that's you've come out of a toxic relationship maybe it's a difficult breakup whatever you're going through, if you do have the, that sort of PTSD as you're talking about, where you get those flashbacks to certain moments or you're struggling to sleep. You know, what I found coming in as a client is you sort of, obviously you, Gloria, are amazing because you're so reassuring and so professional and you just make, you feel so relaxed, you know. So sitting in your chair, reclining slightly, having a little bit of the hypnotherapy, which you were doing at the beginning to relax and then identifying what the trigger was what the traumatic event was that i wanted to focus on for that session and then having this light on the wall going left to right left to right and following it with my eyes now it sounds very very simple i guess so how is it that it has such a profound effect because i know when i left it definitely dialed down some of that negative attachment and some of that real sort of anxiety i was feeling when those flashbacks came Nobody really knows how it works. Um, the, now that the woman who invented it died last year and she had very, very strong views about how it worked. And now that she's not around, all the learned people who study these things are arguing <laughs> about how it works. And I don't know how electricity works, but I can turn on the light. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter how it works, if it works. If it works, exactly. But I think there has to be a bond of trust, first of all. And also, um, the protocol for EMDR is very specific. You have to find out before you begin what the person's particular event is they want to work with. Usually the worst one is the first one to deal with. And what the emotions attached to it 
are now, not at the time, what they're left with now, where they feel it in their body, which is why it covers everything. It's such a clever system. And the last thing to find out is how has it affected their identity, which brings us back to this self-esteem issue. Because this happened, I, not I feel or I think, I am. I am. I am a bad person. I'm inadequate, which is specific to this particular event. And that can often explode that as well. And even identifying it is quite a helpful thing for a lot of people. I know I was talking to a man um, this uh, week and he went through various things about his childhood, which was a whole traumatizing experience for him. And he burst into tears. And he said, I've talked about this so many times to so many therapists. And it was just identifying in this very structured way exactly what he felt where he felt it in his body and what he thought about himself. And it just produced um, a very useful set of emotions in him. I'm feeling emotional just listening to that because it's the last question, who are you now because of that? And yeah. the I am, you know, that question I think doesn't get asked. I mean, who are we oh. now? We often think about, well, how does that make you feel? And what's it stopping you doing? And what else could you do if you didn't feel that way? But who do you believe that, that identity question you are now is so powerful? Why is that? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Who do you believe that, that identity question you are now is so powerful? Why is that? Because it's what you're left with. Who am I? What am I? And that's the hardest question of all. That's why it's left to last, because a lot of people can't answer it at all. And once they can answer it, then they can, they can challenge it. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, listeners who are listening right now, you know, who are you now because of what you've been through? And how mm. does that make you feel? Because yeah. that's a really powerful question, Gora. Really and it's, us it's usually an erroneous label you've given yourself. It's usually wrong. That's what you're looking for. The wrong idea you've got about yourself because of what's been done to you. Yeah. And so then going back to unpick that, how does that work? Then you put it all together and you start the eye movements and quite fast, as fast as the person can bear it. Cause you, you're, it's dual attention. You're trying to pay attention to the light. You're trying to pay attention and you can't pay proper attention to all of it. 
So without you making any effort, it gets moved. It moves it. What do you mean by moves it? It moves the emotions around. It moves the, the thoughts around. It just breaks it up, really. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's so it's, it's, different. <laughs> I know. And it's very, very interesting work to do, I must say. It's quite amazing. And sometimes, you know, some people have got it into their heads. Oh, this happened to me when I was little and it's terrible. And when you start doing EMDR with it, one cuts it to me, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we hit something else which she dismissed because she did, couldn't even think about it. And that was the big one. Yeah, because sometimes we mask what's really going on, don't we? Because exactly. Because to face, so we don't go yeah. there. It's almost like your body's way of protecting you until you are yes. strong. Yeah. Like often it's, it's buried a little bit deeper than just on the surface. And sometimes um, I remember doing some hypnotherapy with a woman once, and all she wanted, she wanted to feel better about herself. So we just did kind of ego boosting images and things like that. And on her way home, she got an image of some feet at the top of a staircase. <laughs> okay. And what's that? So when she came back, I said, well, do you want to look at those feet again? So she said, yes, I'm kind of intrigued. And it was a, a whole very nasty time in her life when she was a child. And she was abused by her grandfather, which wasn't, oh, that's, she said, now I, I know it was him, not someone else she thought it was, because she mixed it all up as a child. She said, now it explained, and it explained so many things in her childhood. She was able to sort of recalibrate her memories and move on. Gosh, that is powerful, powerful stuff. Mm. So can this work on anyone? Do you have to be a believer? Is there anyone it doesn't work on? No, um, it, it, actually super believers aren't very good to work with because they're too keen <laughs> to use. <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't work with everyone. Some people are too tight, can't let anything happen. Some people want to know how it works too much before they'll do it. And I say, oh, come on, let's just give it a try. And that that's usually works out all right. Some people who are very, very imaginative, it doesn't work for at first, you have to find a way around that and do very short sets with them because they will invent, um, especially novelists, will invent a whole scenario and more or less write a book. <laughs> so that can get in the way, not necessarily, but you can. Um, psychopaths, of course, don't come with therapy <laughs> and it doesn't work with them. No, I can imagine it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, psychopaths don't usually ask for help, do they? They don't perceive that they need it. And also, of course, foreign languages get in the way. You know, only in the interview part of it, if their English is good enough or, and, and there are people who, who speak Spanish and French who do EMDR. Although, um, one of the EMDR senior people did a lot of work with women coming out of Bosnia and Serbia after the war there. And she did it with an interpreter and it was very, very useful. Women had been raped and uh, had seen their families shot in front of them and God knows what. Wow. I mean, to be able to penetrate those, those sort of levels is, 
you know, with this therapy, which is non-intrusive, it's very relaxing, doesn't hurt, is incredible. I think, how long does it take uh, to work? I mean, on, what, how many sessions would the average person need? Well, there, there's no such thing as average, of course. Some people are, boom, eureka, and some people who take about six or seven sessions, something like that. I, th- I think it, it's recommended, the um, association recommend about 10, I think, from what I remember. Um, but of course, the association want you to take the history first very carefully and not do any therapy on the first session. But I like to get straight in there and show what it can do, because I think that's encouraging for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I loved it and I did find it very useful. Um, even in one session, it did make a difference and enable me to do a couple of things I hadn't really been comfortable doing before that. So I think it is... Many of the people who went through that process killed themselves afterwards because the idea was to wipe your memory clean and it did. So you didn't remember anything. One of those things that isn't widely known yet, but when people do pick up on it, I'm sure it will be a huge thing. It is getting more widely known and nice recommend it for PTSD nowadays. Uh, To begin with, the world expert on CBT said, oh, it's absolute rubbish. And and then he said, well, it's a subsection of CBT. And now, of course, (laughs) he accepts it. Yeah, as with lots of things, it's sort of... Lots of things, absolutely. My father used to say, any decent inventor is 100 years ahead of the rest. And what you've got to do to make a living is pull yourself back to be five minutes ahead of the rest so they can get it. (laughs) It's very, very true. I mean, I often say that about personal development because in the UK, we're probably, I don't know, at least five to maybe 10 years behind the States with what's going on there. So, you know, Mm. I do think... It's, it's always, we are a little bit behind sometimes, but you know, that's why I wanted to do this podcast with you, Gloria, because it's so interesting and mm. it does have so many people and it's you know, been proved many, many times to work in so many different scenarios. Used in the forces now, it's used in the Navy particularly, I think. Um, and it's very useful for people with battle fatigue, as it used to be called. They used hypnotherapy in World War One. There's a very famous man called Rivers in Scotland who worked with those wartime poets, Fidel, uh, not Fidel Sassoon. And lots of other people. But of course, it's time consuming. It's one-to-one and it's personal and it's very specific. And in World War Two, there were only nine psychiatrists for the whole of the British Army. They had, they were, had, hundreds well thousands of people with PTSD and they invented this horrible system whereby they had electric shocks and drugs and wow I mean I would have thought that the electric therapy would have been so much more traumatic to add to the trauma that you've already gone exactly exactly wow okay well I mean I'm glad we've progressed and and we have progressed yes (laughs) to have something that is effective in this way where it is quite enjoyable as a process you know it's quite I actually enjoyed it it was a little bit of fun it was different and you know you play full out you give it your best and then you you wait and see there's no side effects there's no there's not like you're going to get tummy ache and diarrhea from this it's just you go in try it out and and see how it works for you well the the most famous hypnotherapist ever, Milton Erickson, said psychotherapy should be a very pleasant experience. Ah, aha. So does this come under psychotherapy then? Yes, it does. 
Yeah. Why is that? Well, you're doing something for the person's feelings and their mind. It is psychotherapy, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I hadn't really thought about it like that. Well, I love it. It's been really helpful for me. So for people listening who are going through maybe heartbreak or um, they're feeling that anxiety or not sleeping at night, what would you recommend for them given these two therapies? Would you combine them together or do you do one or the other? I would say go to someone who can do both and then they can assess which is going to help you most. I usually start with the MDR because they're usually pressing instances that need to be dealt with and it's really emotional digestion isn't it yeah I love that emotional digestion mm. so it's sort of helping you detox and get that working properly again exactly <laughs> <laughs> and of course the, the stomach has a brain so that's involved too I love it so tell us about the stomach's brain it's separate to our brain here and it knows what it's doing because when you, you think about it, what happens when you something awful happens? <gasps> it contracts, doesn't it? So a healthy stomach is a healthy person. I like it. I like it. Well, okay. I mean, I would recommend what you do because obviously I've tried it myself. How can people find out more about you? Where can they get more information? I've got a website called gloriamay.co.uk. Or there's the National Council for Hypnotherapy, which has a website, the EMDR Association of the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland has a website. So you can find a therapist via those two if you're miles outside London. I like to do EMDR face to face. It can be done on Zoom, but it's not. I prefer face to face, really. Yeah, because a lot of my listeners are global. So we have listeners all around the world, including the yeah. States and Australia. What would you recommend to them? Can it be done over video then? It can. It can. What I do is I send them a little YouTube of a thing going to and fro. Or, we, or they can do patting their shoulders. Or um, we can find a way around it. I do work with quite a lot of people in Los Angeles. But they are people I've known before, usually. Oh, no, I've got one new one, actually. No, no, no. I, it is possible. Better face-to-face. -face. And the associations you were talking about are UK-based and, and Northern yes. Ireland. Yes, there's an American one in the EMDR. And in America, the National Guild of Hypnotists is the hypnotherapy one. They're not allowed to call themselves hypnotherapists because of the laws in America. So they call themselves uh, consulting hypnotists. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Learn something new every day. Okay, girl. Well, thanks ever so much. That's been absolutely okay. fascinating. So my last question for you, which I asked to all my podcast guests, is that because my, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, I think it's really important to recognize what happiness is for you so that you can experience it and, and recognize it along the way. So what is happiness for you? Well, if it's just myself and not related to being with my loved ones, it's tidying my flat. I love <laughs> Wow, you love tidying your flat. That's amazing. Okay. Well, that's happiness to you. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you ever so much. I know that many of my listeners will have found that very interesting and hopefully they will check it out. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for your intelligent questions. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Be sure to head on over to www.com 
gloriamay.co.uk to find out more about Gloria and the work she does. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.